And hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at K-12 policy and K-12 politics. I'm Kevin Richard. Clark Corbin is on vacation this week, but he will be joining us from Parts Unknown later in this uh, podcast. We're going to break down the latest developments in the saga over teacher evaluations data. But before I get there, let's talk about a few headlines from the week. One headline the continuing saga over the Secure Rural Schools program. This is the federal program that provides funding for schools in timber country in Idaho and across the nation. But now funding for this program is in jeopardy. And this week, Idaho Republican Senators Mike Crapo and Jim Risch joined a broad-based bipartisan coalition calling for continued funding of this program. For Idaho schools, we're talking about $6.6 million per year. But we're also talking about a program that funds schools in 41 states, which may help explain the broad-based coalition that you're seeing signing a letter urging continued funding. Along with Senators uh, Crapo and Risch, you've got supporters such as uh, John McCain, Republican from Arizona, California Democrats Barbara Boxer and Dianne Feinstein, and Vermont Democrat Bernie Sanders. Meanwhile, in Mountain Home, a high school student protest came to an end on Wednesday. The crux of the protest pertained to student murals in the parking lot, which students were purchasing as part of a fundraiser for homecoming events. The protest and the controversy this week centered around one of the murals, which highlighted the Black Lives Matter movement. According to media reports, protesters also showed up at the school to protest the Black Lives Matter mural. They waved Confederate flags and brought fried chicken and watermelon to the campus. Where this issue stands now is that the school district and students are supposed to work together to try to come up with a compromise for future fundraising activities. On Friday morning, the State Board of Education reversed course on a proposal that would have limited Idaho's dual credit program. Now, Idaho pays for about 80,000 dual credits for high school students per year, but most of these dual credits are used only as college electives. The state board language would have restricted dual credit programs to general education programs for college or programs that would help a student towards getting a post-secondary degree or certificate. But board members reversed course, saying that they felt that language was was too restrictive and could limit dual credit programs in the future. Friday's vote capped a busy and turbulent week for the State Board of Education. On Monday morning, the board met to discuss its legislative agenda and gave preliminary approval to that dual credit language and also gave preliminary approval to language that would crack down on inaccurate teacher data reports to the state, and we'll talk about that more here in a few minutes. But after Monday's vote, concerns were raised about the public meeting process and the public notification process preceding Monday's meeting. Reporters received emails uh, alerting them to this meeting at 5 a.m. on Monday, less than five hours before the meeting took place. The meeting agenda was sketchy and said only that the board would discuss its 2017 legislative agenda. So, in response to those concerns, the State Board decided on Tuesday to vacate the decisions made at Monday's meeting and take up the issue again on Friday morning, which they did, and they briefly talked about 
the teacher evaluation issue and decided to go forward with that language. The language would basically focus on intentionally inaccurate teacher data as reported to the state. And what this means is that a school administrator who knowingly intentionally sends inaccurate information to the state could be subject to a fine. For the first offense, that fine is $10,000. For a repeat offense, that fine is $50,000. How did we get to this point? And why are we talking about such language and talking about attaching such language to Idaho's career ladder law that's designed to raise teacher pay? That's where we're going to bring Clark Corbin into the conversation. He's been following the evaluations data issue for us for more than a year. And Clark Corbin is joining me here for this segment of uh, Extra Credit because I needed to bring you in because when it's teacher evaluations and the evaluations data saga, we need to have you come in and, and kind of help us uh, get caught up. How did we get to this point where the state board is even talking about this sort of uh, legislation? Well, when the legislature passed the career ladder salary law during the 2015 session, they included a couple of accountability pieces. And within that, one of the easiest ways f for the public to understand for a teacher to move up the career ladder and thus earn a raise in the process is to meet certain performance benchmarks on the annual teacher evaluation. Every year in the state of Idaho, teachers are evaluated by an administrator and how they score on that evaluations is one of the most important ways that a teacher can move up the career ladder and earn more pay. And so that's kind of the accountability piece um, that was built into it. The career ladder is this big, Kevin, as you know, five-year plan to raise teacher salaries uh, considerably to get at that issue of teacher uh, retention and teacher recruitment in the state of Idaho. And so it, it dates back to the career ladder law. And what we found in our reporting starting uh, the summer after that 2015 legislative session is we so began... June 2015 was the initial reporting. Yeah. In summer of 2015 was our initial article where we looked at all the teacher evaluations in the state of Idaho. And what we found that first year is that in 32 school districts, administrators awarded every single one of their teachers an identical overall evaluation score. In some cases, those districts had hundreds of teachers, and they gave them all scores of proficient, meaning that nobody received a score of, of, um, of basic or below basic, or, or even distinguished, which is one of, of the options. And so we talked to superintendents in two school districts that year, uh, Ryan Kirby, uh, formerly superintendent of the New Plymouth School District, and Alan Dunn uh, from the Sugar Salem School District, who essentially said, they purposely awarded identical overall evaluation scores in the state report, and they did that because it was not the state's business how their teachers performed. Uh, Alan Dunn said it was a privacy issue in his mind uh, with em employees, and, and Ryan Kirby, who is a legislator and a member of the House Education Committee, just said simply, we all pretty much agreed unanimously that that was none of the state's business. And then so... So, that, so that's the origin. So that's how we get to the point where the state board is talking about potentially levying fines against superintendents who uh, willfully turn in bad evaluation data. I mean, that's kind of our, 
our nexus. That's how we got here. And willfully is, is the key word because it, it happened again in 2015, 2016. This summer, uh, I worked with Randy Schrader, our data analyst, uh, to track teacher evaluations. Again, the number of school districts overall that awarded every single teacher the same score, that actually jumped from 32 to 35 uh, this year, so it's happening again. But we do know there is some human error in there, mm -hmm. some unintentional, uh, you know, maybe putting uh, data sets into the wrong row or the wrong cell on a spreadsheet, not realizing that. That's not what we're talking about with this penalty with the State Department. Right, there's a uh, distinction between an, an Excel or a, uh, a, a screw-up in terms of putting things in the wrong column or, or something like that. Right, so this talks about willfully intentional um, you know, use of, of incorrect data, something that's intentional. And, and, and uh, But that's what we found, that that has been happening in school districts uh, in each of the past two years when we looked at this, everything from we think it's a privacy concern, not the state's business, to, oh, there was this deadline in our mind of when we wanted to get the report submitted, and so we just said everybody uh, got the same scores just to turn it in and have that to the state. We saw a little bit of that. Uh, this summer with the 2015-2016 data. Mm -hmm. And speaking kind of of the nexus of how this all connects, and you kind of touched on it before, the reason we're talking about this sort of language in the Career Ladder Bill is that the Career Ladder Bill, now Career Ladder Law, was built around the idea of having some sort of a, an accountability piece. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is the piece that lawmakers were looking for in terms of accountability, in terms of transparency, in terms of are we getting uh, the return on the investment that um, that we were talking about. And, and so how this is coming to a head is we've heard now several times from several different people that they're concerned about the career ladder funding, the salary funding during this upcoming legislative session for more raises for teachers. Um, just to uh, look at what numbers we could be talking about, when Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Ibarra released her budget request on September 1st, she has in there $57.8 million in additional new funding for teachers' salaries and benefits we're hearing uh, that that's going to be a big lift, is what one of the education groups right. said uh, this year. We, we had the governor uh, express a little concern uh, about the ability to get that money from the legislature if the accountability piece isn't there. And so that's something, in my mind, uh, that could wind up being a showdown uh, during this upcoming legislative session, Kevin. So when we're talking about more money, there's going to be more scrutiny, especially now that we're a couple of years into this career ladder law. Uh, it will definitely be interesting to see if this language becomes part of the career ladder law and what sort of debate surrounds that. Uh, if the language survives, if there's an attempt to yank the language, there's a lot of different ways that this could play out. But, sure. Uh, and, a lot to look for here. And the accountability piece, while it's tied to the career ladder now, and that is relatively new, going back to 2015 or whatever it was, it's not an entirely new concept in the state of Idaho. If you remember back to Tom Luna's administration, we heard about merit pay, we heard about pay for performance, and the students come first laws that were ultimately repealed by voters. And so legislators have been looking for years for an accountability piece uh, to pair with their investment in salaries. Okay. Well, Clark, thank you for helping us kind of walk through how we got here and where we may be going. All right, no problem. Happy to help, Kevin. So, what's been the reaction to the State Board proposal? Well, it's been mostly surprise. 
I spoke to education leaders from around the state this week, and many had no idea that the state board was even working on this language. One of the folks who was surprised was Rob Winslow, the executive director of the Idaho Association of School Administrators. And bear in mind that it's his membership, school administrators and school superintendents, who would be subject to the fines contemplated in the state board proposal. Education leaders are hoping that stakeholders will have a chance to talk to the state board and vet the proposal between now and the start of the 2017 legislative session. Now, one person didn't seem too surprised by the proposal that came down from the state board on Monday, and that's Governor Butch Otter, who, of course, appoints members to the state board, and, of course, state board members serve at the governor's pleasure. Clark Corbin caught up with Governor Otter on Monday and asked for his reaction. Here's what he had to say. So you're expecting accurate, full information? If I'm going to go to the legislature and ask them to continue to pay taxpayers money on this great promise that we all got out of the task force, then I've got to have that information. And they, they, they above all people, ought to be the ones that are concerned about it. Because if I, I, I can tell you this, if I were in the legislature and I wasn't getting accurate information and I wasn't getting the accountability and the success that I thought I was getting, I would start reserving my vote. We will stay on top of this story in the weeks and months to come, so please check IdahoAidNews.org for the latest. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's Extra Credit Podcast. I want to thank you for listening in. And I want to remind you that if you want to stay current on what's happening in, in education and politics, check in at IdahoEdNews.org. Follow us on Twitter at IdahoEdNews. Or like us on Facebook. We uh, passed a milestone this week on the Facebook page. We uh, surpassed 5,000 uh, Facebook likes, but we'd love to have even more. So if you're not already following us there, please join us. Clark Corbin will be here from start to finish for next week's podcast, so be sure to check us on Friday. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week.